Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money Show, episode 25. I am MMA State of Mind, Bob Boss, your favorite garbage man, all that stuff on Twitter. I'm here with Don't Cope, Just Win, Mike Copenhaver. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing absolutely amazing, man. Pleasure to be here and can't wait to talk about some fights and some past fights. Like Mike said, we're going to talk about some things in the slight near future UFC 248. Before that, we are going to review UFC Norfolk, and in the middle, we got a little bit of fight announcements and just a little bit of news and notes just to keep you guys abreast of what is going on in MMA. But just hurrying on up, going right into UFC Norfolk, we're starting on a really high note. Um, Mike's pick from last week, Brandon Allen, defeats Tom Breeze in the very first round with a TKO, cashing our first bet of the night, which was two units at plus 115. Everyone talked about how Breeze's ground game was better. Everyone talked about it was going to be a slog and how Brendan Allen would be lucky to win a decision. He went and blew the doors off. Mike, what do you have to say about your pick, which ended so spectacularly? Oh, man, Brendan Allen couldn't have performed any better that night. He was absolutely amazing. It, it didn't matter if it was his striking. I mean, he could even display up most of his striking, but when he threw a kick, he meant it. And then when he got Breeze into a clinch and he wanted a takedown or Breeze tried to defend a takedown and transitions and scrambles, um, Brandon Allen just was faster, stronger, and more superior. You could definitely tell that he had the mental edge too as well, like we talked about with Breeze being soft. And uh, it just was an amazing performance. I was so stoked to get a win for uh, the fans so fast. You know, normally you, you pick a fight and it always ends up to a decision being, uh, you know, you're gritting your teeth the whole time. So I was just stoked uh, that he could go out there and finish him. And it was also amazing to see how huge he is, man. I mean, in his post-fight interview with Anthony, uh, Anthony Lionheart Smith, uh, he was just the, about the same size, if not bigger, than Anthony, and they're in a different weight class. So Anthony brought up the fact that Brandon was so big. So I can't wait to see this kid in the future because he's legitimately the real deal. His striking is amazing. We didn't even get to see it fully yet. And his jujitsu, his black belt game is ridiculous, as we saw. You know, he absolutely did nothing but impress. I'm very excited to see this guy going forward. Mike called it early in the week. You guys don't see our text thread that goes on. Mike sent out a text to me very early in the week talking about he loved that as a bet, and I couldn't help but just echo what he said, and man, it really came through. Um, next up, Grant Dawson, who was a heavy favorite, missing weight. He, was, he wasn't the only one to miss weight on this card, but submitted Derek Minner, the guy who was basically brought in to lose uh, in the second round. Uh, the reason I bring up this fight more than anything is this was part of a Twitter parlay that I had out there. Obviously, we're not counting this towards the overall um, record for the show and all that stuff, but this was part of a Twitter parlay and why we bring up to always pay attention to our Twitter accounts and also the stuff we retweet, including the articles, because you guys get more action on those cards. I'm going to throw it to Mike for this one, Mike, about because specifically about that submission and how almost seemingly easy he got it to it in the second round. How would you like Grant Dawson and how quickly he got Derek Minner out of there in the second? Well, like you talked about your Twitter parlay, if you guys listened to the last podcast, we gave out a parlay, a ghost parlay. It wasn't one that was an official parlay, but we definitely said that if you were going to parlay two people, that it was going to be Grant Dawson and Megan Anderson to do their thing and do it very easily. I mean, it was real. It was, you know, we expected him to um, do what he did. So it's like, I'm super impressed. We got to remember it was versus Derek Minner, who's not so impressive. I was actually kind of shocked that Derek Minner was giving him all he could uh, uh, in the first round. And then, you know, I saw that Derek Minner was kind of fading in the end of the first round. You could see that Grant Dawson was getting stronger. 
Um, you know, when when you take a fight on short notice, as Derek Minner did, and then you're rolling around with uh, talented men, let alone just men in general, it just gets super tiring. And so uh, you could kind of see that his gas tank was fading and uh, the submission was going to come in. So I can't give Dawson, like, the highest credit for the submission because of the talent or the person that he did it against. But it was still a great performance, something that we called and hoped as you fans listened up and watched Bob's Twitter for that parlay. Uh, next up, Megan Anderson KOs this much smaller Norma Dumont in the first round in impressive fashion and tries to get herself a shot at the champion Amanda Nunes since there is basically no 145-pound women's division outside of like three people. But uh, it's clean KO. You don't see that very often uh, in women's MMA. Uh, obviously, Norma was very much overmatched both in size, reach, and strength. Uh, kudos to Megan Anderson, although she tends to look great against those she's supposed to look great against. So we'll see what that does later on down the fact, especially if she's going to rely on kind of reach and power over Amanda Nunes. She's going to be sorely mistaken, but all in all, good finish. Mike, how did you feel about the Megan Anderson finish over Dumont? I was going to say a little disparaging remarks about that, but you know what? I'm going to table that for now. Well, once again, just like I kind of said in the last fight, I mean, it was versus uh, Norma Dumont. The best thing about Norma Dumont was her butt. I don't know if you guys saw that thing, but it was amazing. Um, she was lucky, Megan Anderson was lucky that Norma Dumont was game to come forward and be so aggressive so that uh, she could walk basically right into a Megan Anderson punch. And, it, you know, it, it was impressive. Uh, she's definitely not going to be able to hang with Amanda Nunes. Uh, she should probably slow her roll and probably ask for an easier fight than that and uh, let the, um, the other chick take the, the fight before her that... I, I can't remember her name right now, but yeah, so it was either, it was impressive, but once again, versus who? Just quickly, I had said Grand Dawson Sports to fight someone else on this card, and Derek Minner being the regular president, will speak against Chaz Skelly. Chaz Skelly. So here's hoping they do make that fight. That one's much more interesting, especially given uh, Chase Skelly's ground game. Uh, but moving on, Ian Kudalaba, okay, this fight just in general is. Unique enough to talk about. I went very quick. Ian <laughs> uh, Kudalaba claims he was playing possum uh, in the early goings of his fight with Magabed and Goliath, and the fight got called. Um, this finished off my Twitter parlay. It was one of the two options we gave you to parlay with Grant Dawson as options, either Meager Anderson or Magabed and Goliath. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that was a terrible stoppage, even though I had it in a parlay. I still agree that was a terrible stoppage. Uh, any type of possum-type strategy in an MMA fight is an awful, awful, awful decision given the fact that you're relying on a judge to understand what you're doing. Um, I thought it was a bad stoppage. I didn't realize the whole possum thing, although he claimed it later. A lot of that had to do with Michael Bisbing really pushing that narrative and Ian Kudalaba going along with it. So I don't know if he was actually playing possum. Seems like a terrible strategy. He definitely was getting hit and... But it's more of a point that Ayankudalaba doesn't really move his head. So when he does, he looks rocked and he was getting hit. Um, in my opinion, Borderline just run this fight back. Uh, I We had a Twitter poll after this went out talking about if you thought this was a total BS decision or not. And 91% of you thought it was a total BS decision and the rest just didn't care. So <laughs> the vast majority think it's a BS decision. So I guess might as well run it back another four or six weeks. Obviously, they've done something similar with odd ending fights recently going back to Yair Rodriguez um Mike how did you feel about this just just odd odd short fight well man I feel like we got robbed because the the short fight that we did get was all fireworks and all action I mean both these guys were throwing haymakers and Ankalov was throwing some kicks that were impressive It, it was it was looking to be an amazing fight I personally think it was a terrible stoppage I know I agree that's the majority of people did I do. I did see him playing possum. You could kind of tell. I mean, these are big guys. When they hit, when someone hits you and you're rocked, they don't usually just wobble. They usually hit the damn floor. So for Ian Kulaba, I believe that he kind of got robbed of his uh, being left on his shield in in a finish. But let's just run it back because it's such an exciting fight. We all got robbed of a great performance uh, that we could have seen even more. It still was a great performance, so I don't want to take anything from both of them. I just hope that uh, Kut Laba, you know, comes back and just, you know, can, I guess, learn from it. And then it, we just get an even better fight. Now, moving on was 
not quite as ridiculous of excitement. There was still some excitement to be had. Uh, hurtful excitement for those of us who are big Joseph Benavides fans. Ooh, I'm skipping ahead. Sorry. Felicia Spencer. Whoa, man, I jumped right on ahead. Uh, I guess I didn't want to, I want to overshoot this fight. It wasn't a bad fight. It was just an utterly dominant win for someone who was a minus 800 favorite and looked as about how you should to be a minus 800 favorite. Um, she's also in the running for a shot against Amanda Nunez since Amanda has said she wants to defend that 145 pound title, be one of the, fir- the first person to defend both. Uh, I know Megan Anderson is in there and had had an impressive finish, but I mean, Spencer does have a finish over Megan Anderson, so I would put her a little bit higher ahead of that. So either way, uh, I believe Amanda said she wants to fight at the upcoming Brazil card, the one that's going to have Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo. So sure, give her Felicia Spencer, and I will watch. <laughs> I would lean heavy on Amanda Nunes. I have seen a few people say that Felicia Spencer has a very unique um, skill set to possibly give Amanda Nunez fits, given how good Felicia Spencer is on the ground, but I will wait to see that. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about this co-main event of UFC Norfolk? I mean, it was it was impressive, you know, but it was for, once again, versus who? It, uh, an absolute nobody. I, I can't believe that this was a co-main event. Um, this was the girl that I couldn't remember her name because she hasn't been in the UFC long enough for me to even attach a name for herself and I literally just thought about it uh, or just talked about this like five minutes ago so Felicia Spencer was the other girl that Megan Anderson slowed her role to because uh, Felicia beat Megan and Megan would be better off taking another fight getting some more skills and then taking the fight I feel like uh, Megan has a higher ceiling Felicia Spencer's ground game yeah it's cute versus who you know this girl so i i versus nunez she she's gonna get punched in her face she leaves her chin wide open and she'll be knocked out on the floor before she even gets a chance to go on the ground so both no one has any nothing no one has any smoke for amanda nunez amanda nunez is the chimney she handles all the smoke she does whatever she needs to do apologize for the pause and just thinking i'm like 145 female 145 it's basically not a division it really isn't. You have about three women in there, not to mention anyone that they can convince to come up from 35 to occasionally have a fight. It's why you keep having Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson fight nobodies or each other. Um, at some point, you have to decide what you want to do with this division. I understand they like having Amanda Nunez to have like a secondary belt, add some cachet to her name, but it's getting a little ridiculous. And this one's going to hurt, guys. Sorry. Speaking of a division that barely exists... Uh, we're going to talk about the flyweight title, or lack of flyweight title, still a vacant title. It was only going to be a title going one way, and it did not go that way. This one hurt. This one hurt so bad, I almost skipped ahead to it to get the pain away, like when you're trying to rip off a band-aid because you just want that pain to be gone. Joseph Benavidez uh, was minus 150 going into his fight against Davison Figueredo, who missed weight and had no chance to win the flyweight title because of losing said weight, but because it's MMA and the MMA gods like to ruin us and not let us have nice things, the guy who possibly couldn't win the belt won the fight. Um, after a decent showing and submission in defense in the first round uh, and a charge by Joseph Benavides pressing forward, they clashed heads, uh, judging by the replay. Um, more on Benavides' fault than anything because he leans, he leads with his head as he goes in and just kind of bursts forward and then he starts piecing him up with some body shots. After that, Figueredo land the finishing blow and... Knocked out Joseph Benavidez landing a hammer fist or two to to finish it off. Um, so Figueroa won. Had a decent sized bet on that one. That was a to, uh, to win two units. That was minus three. So on the night for the official podcast picks, we were minus point seven. Or if you count the parlay that was given out on Twitter, it's plus point three. So slight winning, but we'll stick with the minus point seven because obviously that's what we gave out on the show so close to breaking even man that Benavidez won hurt also just because we wanted to see Benavidez win because we've been big fans of him for a long 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 time I have three questions for you Mike one general thoughts on this fight as a whole and I guess you can comment on that crazy ground and scramble that went on in that first round what do you do with this division after the fact and then I guess should Joe B retire this being his third UFC title shot and 
fifth title shot overall. Oh, man. Well, this is super disappointing in the sense of that uh, Bob and I are just such big Joe B fans. And it's certainly a lesson in the sense of, uh, you know, you, you don't you shouldn't bet with your emotions. And we know that we've talked about that many times in past podcasts. But this was a situation where I really thought that Joe B possibly would be the more experienced mixed martial artist. The other guy missed weight was less less professional. But I've also talked about in the last podcast that I swear to God, I have the ta- I have the knack for following talent all the way up until about the championship fight. I jump off them and then they win the damn belt. He didn't win the belt, but he won the fight. So I, I said that Davidson had the better striking, and I, that was basically what I was worried about. And it certainly ended up being that. Um, the, the transitions and the jujitsu scrambles between the two in the beginning it was just it's just amazing man i mean i absolutely love when two warriors go in there with such heart and determination i mean you see, a lot of times you go in there you see one fighter is really good the other fighter starts quitting pretty fast uh joe b did not quit at all he was giving us a great performance to me he was winning the bout until about the moment that he lost it so um, you know, even the I guess the judges had round one scored for Joe B. So I guess they were on the same, uh, you know, lane as I was. But it, it just really sucks. Um, for the future of the flyweight division, is there still a future? Yeah, man, there's definitely a future. I mean, look at the fight that we just got. And then there's other guys uh, that we still have to watch. So, I mean, I want to watch Cejudo in his best fight, Davison, because I think Davison will possess. So uh, we shall see. And it's just uh, mostly should Joe B retire? Yes. After this many times and that many losses for the title shot, you just got to go retire. Enjoy your beautiful wife and all you've worked for. He's so smart. He can do anything outside the octagon. He'll probably make more money. I'd agree there. I'd be leaning towards retirement too because I think this is the first time where post-title fight or fight that Joe B's had where there's no... Like utter confidence that you'll get back to it and get the win, like with the law, the first loss to Dominic Cruz in WWEC, he's like a few changes and I could win this, and that didn't happen. And then you go to the UFC, and the first fight to Demetrius Johnson is so close, and so he thinks he might have it in the next round, and then he gets knocked out, and then this time going for the title yet again when he should have been going for the title, like his fight against Formiga could have been for the vacant title for crying out loud. Um, so I, I would like to see him retire for that reason, just because I don't want to see a Joe B, an unmotivated Joe B, because I'm, you're so used to him just being so into every fight and up for it, and just, just I don't I don't ever want to see a shell of him. So he's made a decent amount of money fighting, and obviously he has a wife who's gamefully employed, and he could do plenty of other things to make money I could only assume obviously it's hard for me to say I don't know what his financials look like but I I would hope so Uh, in terms of what to do for the division uh, I posted this out uh, over our Twitter poll talking about uh, what to do with it and I'm really thinking that you bring uh, John Dodson back to 125 and have him fight Davison Figueredo to restart flyweight because I mean the main reason that Dodson went up to 135 was he wasn't going to beat Demetrius Johnson. Well, he's gone now and it's kind of no big name power at 125. Two heavy hitters, I guess. Why not go for it? Um, quickly, we're going to go do through some news and announcements before we move on to the pay-per-view that is UFC 248. Uh, the first one is one that Mike brought to my attention. I had known that Brandon Allen had called out Trevin Giles given that that was his only loss that he previously had on the regional scene. Well, Trevin Giles apparently via Twitter accepted said fight for Texas. We'll see if this officially gets made, but that'd be awesome. And again, kudos to Brandon Allen who made us some money. And if you're out there listening to this anytime, like Mike said, anytime you want to come on the show, we'll gladly get you on. And thank you, not quite in person, but at least vocally thank you for the money that you did win us. Um, Next, Ryan Hall finally has a fight. After months and months and everyone turned down fights and every single uh, featherweight not wanting to touch that man given his fighting style and all of that jazz, he finally gets a fight against Ricardo Lamas at UFC Oklahoma City. Mike, how do you feel about that matchup? Ryan Hall finally getting one. Uh, well, I, I 
I think it's a favorable matchup for Ricardo Lamas to win in the sense of uh, his striking is just way better. If he could just keep uh, some distance and just keep punishing Ryan Hall, that I could just see Ryan Hall ending up on his back a bunch of times and uh, Ricardo Lamas waving him to get up and uh, just keep continuing on punishing him. There's Ryan Hall lacks the, the, the full mixed martial arts game, in my opinion, standing. Um, his jiu-jitsu game is amazing and his leg lock game so uh, it doesn't mean that he can't get a leg lock on Ricardo Lamas easy because he can I just don't like uh, relying on leg locks because you take a lot of damage as you go for those leg locks so I'd favor Ricardo well and on top of that the uh, the base wrestling that Ricardo has will be able to keep it on the feet and you know like you said his boxing is much much cleaner and I know he's not coming off the most stellar last few fights but I know some people relatively close to him, and he still has that fire, at least somewhat. Um, He's not officially set for life. I mean, he does own uh, one of the UFC gyms in the area out by me, Um, but it's more one of those deals where his name is associated with it and he gets a paycheck from it, but I'm not sure how much he's actually there given uh, his training isn't even in the state, but um, yeah, I'm liking him there. Uh, The last little bit of news and announcements is Rose Namajunas actually turned down a title shot against Whaley uh, for citing personal reasons. So I guess in the future, Mike, would you like to see uh, Rose Namajunas fight Jean Whaley, uh, Zhang, whatever, Whaley Zhang, any combination of the way her name is supposed to be, uh, even if that was supposed to be this weekend, how would you like a, a Rose Namajunas versus Zhang Whaley matchup? Oh, I'd love to see it. I think it'd be a great matchup to watch. It just it just depends on if Rose wants to be here and fight. It just she seems like she's content not, you know, being up in the limelight and being there uh, with the big superstars. So I don't really know what Rose uh, wants to do or where she is in her head. But I would love to see the fight if she wants to be in it and to win it. I'd love to watch them both scrap. Not exactly MMA related. I guess somewhat, given they used to have a bunch of events there coinciding with that weekend. But I got a little news thing that just popped up. I'm not sure if it's 100% accurate, but apparently for fear of, I think it's the coronavirus, they have officially canceled the Arnold Classic that takes place this upcoming weekend in Ohio. It's usually a big deal, and actually a lot of fighters are there also, given a lot of their uh, fitness, health-type sponsors are there, and they fashion there. So if that's a real case, that's getting pretty intense there oh whatever moving on as i was originally trying to use the rosam Yunus uh jean Lee possibility as a bridge to ufc 248 i have derailed that but we're back on so ufc 248 is coming up this saturday we are going to talk about two fights off the prelims one because it's interesting and one because you know what i got a bet on it and they will, then we will cover every fight of the main card with a bet coming a little bit later on from mike's side First off, I want to talk about Darren Wynn, a one-time bet on this podcast. We one time spoke highly of little DC Jr., but apparently he is DC's distant, distant stepchild that no one wants to see fight anymore and does not live up to the level that we thought he was at. He is a minus-140 favorite versus Gerald Merchart. The third, or GM3 as we can call him. He is plus 120. Uh, I actually love Gerald Mearshart in this matchup. He has fought the better competition. He has fought better against said competition. He is longer. He has better striking. He's, in general, just bigger. I mean, and I'm just talking about bigger framed, not bigger boned, if you know what I mean. Uh, Darren Wynn should be a 170 pounder. Easy. He botched his weight cut this last uh, his last fight. He lost a split decision to Darren Stewart. The, Darren Wynn had all the possibilities, but he's like the most extreme version of riding DC's coattails, apparently, and he is all bluster and no substance. I'm going with uh, Gerald Merchart. I love him at dog money. I think he should be the favorite here. I think this line could easily be flipped. So I have one unit on Gerald Merchart, GM3, one unit at plus 120. Mike, how do you feel about Darren not going to win? Well, I just think the guy's just way too small to be going up against the, these athletes up here in the UFC. I mean, GM3, he's six foot one. He's just a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's long and strong. 
I mean, I, I just it just seems like a really bad matchup. I, I the only way that Darion Wynn to me is going to win is uh, he lays and prays on GM three for three full rounds and gives us the most boring performance we've ever seen. And I, I just I don't even see that happening in jujitsu and wrestling when you got a guy who's just significantly longer than you. I've said it many times. It just gets super frustrating if they get your back, they get you in a body triangle, or if you're in their guard and they throw up triangles themselves, or they go to arm bars. It's just, it's super annoying. They're able to kick you off easier if they're longer. So I, I really like your bet, especially at plus money. So uh, that one unit bet is uh, we're going to roll with, and he's going to smash a little Darian win. Just a quick update on my news and notes. The entire Arnold Classic isn't canceled. Just it'll be completely closed to spectators. So any athletes competing and stuff like that that are already there and have specific tickets for there, you can go there. But they're locking it out to spectators because apparently they've had some cases of coronavirus, according to the governor. Again, random side note, but apparently in these days of coronavirus and everybody freaking out over a disease that only affects, truly, truly, deathly affects the immunocompromised, we're freaking out like it's another bird flu or swine flu. And we're possibly even canceling or postponing the uh, Tokyo Olympics because of it. Whatever. Um, Next, Sugar Sean O'Malley is back the little cult hero joe rogan pupil millennial mastermind is fighting again he is back after two years and constant usada issues of pulsing osterine the sarm that has been found itself in many a supplement by many a fighter given that it is in there because it's called pixie dusting where they put a little bit of a bunch of stuff in supplements that some work some don't or they just use all the same equipment and don't wash it out because the fda doesn't really cover sports supplements well sean o'malley is minus 380 against jose quinones who's plus 315 who is basically the guy that ufc perpetually brings in to make somebody look good um nearly every one of his more recent fights he's been brought in to someone that they want to give a win to and want them to look good uh did it (laughs) tried to do it with teruto ishihara it didn't quite go so well because teruto ishihara isn't that good did it for nathaniel wood nathaniel wood got that win and now they're giving it now they're giving that loss to kunyones with sean o'malley coming in and looking good well here's hoping he's looking good he's got good layoff i'm happy he's back he is exciting and Judging by what he has said, interviews he's had, he has been training the whole time. So hopefully he has shown some growth and comes in looking like the guy we remember. Mike, how are you feeling about Sugar Sean O'Malley coming up this Saturday? Oh, man, I love me some sugar, so I, I can't wait to watch this scrap because uh, Jose Quinones, you know, even though he's not the high competition uh, Sean O'Malley could face, he's super tough and he's going to come forward and he's going to make Sean O'Malley look good. So it's we're going to have a quick little war on the feet and then possibly some transition scrambles on the ground. And I think Sean O'Malley can submit him. Um, I know he's been working really hard on his submission game. He's been challenging some really high competitors uh, a lot bigger than him so i I just i i see him coming there super sharp um and just uh showing us his skills he's super super exciting Uh, i don't put anything past jose quinones though because uh if sean o'malley hurts that foot again or whatever he injured when he was throwing kicks i mean you you never know what could happen so i I definitely don't recommend throwing the the big money line on sean because of that but i definitely uh i definitely like this fight and i like sean in it Sorry, I don't know why it was after you specifically said sugar, but I had like three different songs with sugar in it that were going through my head during your entire breakdown. There was the sugar, dun, 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 dun. Uh, <laughs> honey, that was the first one. And then after that one was sugar, sugar, how you get so fly, sugar, sugar. Like the, all those were just going nonstop. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to get my mind right, but I'm, I'm okay with it. You know what? It's, it's making this night whatever i apologize i went out to dinner with my wife after basketball practice and there may have not been beverages drank so i apologize for any singing that may occur but <laughs> moving on from sugar sean o'malley i almost sang again but you know what i didn't go there uh, alex cowboy Oliveira is coming back after not the best uh couple last outings but you know what uh 
the Brazilian cowboy is going to fight Max Payne Griffin, who is, if you haven't been listening to the show in a while, Max Griffin is officially one of the, I'm trying to think of the best, nicest, but really realistic ways to put this. He is one of the fighters that is uh, persona non grata. For us, he is one of those guys that we can't trust, we don't trust, and we never bet again. Um, hard part is Alex Oliveira is coming off three losses. The one to Gunnar Nelson where he basically broke his nose and got tapped. Looked decent in the early goings. Lost decision to the Mike Perry. Lost decision to Nicholas Dalby. And actually, if you remember, we were on Dalby in that one. We had a good feeling that Dalby was going to win that fight, and he did. Well, now you're going against Max Griffin, who likes to make every fight as hard on himself as possible and can't even find it in himself to beat the washed Tiago Alves that we have. Well, now 2020, but in 2019 when he fought him about a year ago, he has lost to any major remote name he's fought recently other than Mike Perry. But I can't trust him at all. I would love to trust Alex Oliveira. I do think he's long. I do think he has some serious pop in his hands. And if Max Griffin wants to turn it into a brawl, Alex Oliveira would just straight lay him out. But I'm not seeing too much killer instinct in Oliveira recently, and he has taken a lot of damage recently. Um, He just still has that freak strength that he could definitely show on Max Griffin. So for this type of one, uh, it would just be like a pick for Oliveira. Uh, if the last couple sh- outings were a little bit better, it might even be a bet. But as of right now, it's just a straight pick. Mike, how are you feeling about the Brazilian Cowboy versus he who shall not be named? Oh, man, I hate Griffin so much, dude, that it's not even funny. He just couldn't even beat Alves for us, ruined our pick. It's just disgusting, you know, the snowball effect that one person, one pick could have. Uh, so I, I'm, you can't trust him at all. I, I was going to slightly lean towards him. But I can't, man. I just I can't trust him at all. It's so I'm gonna just go with Alex Oliveira because he's got the devastating power. But it wouldn't surprise me if Max Griffin decides to show up with all the potential that I thought he had at one point, and then just piss me off. So that's usually what will happen. Neil Magny is back. That deafening silence after that fact was the fact that nobody cares. No one's clapping. <laughs> no one's excited. Nobody no one. <laughs> gives a shit. Oh man, I'm sorry. Like I, there was there was a period of time where I was a big Neil Magny fan just because he was perpetually undervalued. But that's not him anymore, man. He's been off. He had USADA issue as well. He has taken so much damage. He was one of those people that really thrived on. He was a fighting four times a year minimum type fighter, and usually more than that. He would be like three and one or four and one like he, he was doing great man he has a win over kevin gaslam for crying out loud he was doing awesome but just that all that damage accrued and he is just not what he once was he's really not he is one of the few fighters still out here that is a 20 fight ufc veteran something like that like he has a ridiculous amount of ufc fights like his last fight was that horrific loss he took to santiago ponzinibbio in 2018, <laughs> uh, he had a canceled bout against Vicente Luque. That was when he got popped. And now he's fighting against the Leech. And Jingliang Li, Li Jingliang, whichever order, one of these days I will learn the order of the Chinese names. Jingliang's going to come on him with some serious power. I guess before I should go any further, I'm gonna get, I forgot to give the odds here. Neil Magny is currently plus 150 against Jingliang Li's minus 170. And other than him being so wild, I would almost think those odds should be even steeper uh, in the leech's favor. Dude throws bombs and can take a beating. Neil Magny does not have power. He does throw straight shots, but he's much slower than he used to be and is just showing every bit of all of those fights that he's added on. And he's that's why he's only 32, man. And he's just, um, and he's completely, in my opinion, completely washed. Uh, I'm looking forward to a fantastic Lee finish here for any of you that is, that's tickling your fancy, a little Lee inside the, dish, inside the distance. That's plus 125, which is a much nicer number than the minus 170. I think too many people are focusing on the chin and pow, like the, the sheer be able to take damage that Magni used to have. I don't think he has that anymore, and I do think Lee is going to get the finish. Mike, how are you feeling about Neil Magni versus the Leech? 
Well, you know that we were big fans of Eliza Ku Dos Santos and that uh, Lee Jingleg just took care of him like nobody's business. So I, I absolutely love the leech here. Uh, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and he's going to have the edge there, in my opinion. He's also got the power edge. I see that I don't see absolutely any way that the other guy is going to have an edge here. It's just the, uh, you know, there's a reason why Neil Magnus hasn't fought. Nobody cares. Like you said, nobody wants to care. Nobody wants him to fight. Uh, so, well, you know, he... he tried to hold out for some jibber-jabber type fight, and he's going to find out fast. He's only a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, the leech is a, a BJJ black belt, and he, the, the leech has a stronger, uh, is more powerful, and is, is just more deadly. So I also, I absolutely think that the Lee Jingli could finish this fight and just get all the Asians all fired up, which they deserve right now because the coronavirus is affecting their people. Like you said, it really isn't that big of a deal. Per population, the death toll is not enough for anyone to be, you know, screaming around getting all crying and all this stuff it's just you know just you just keep washing your hands be cleanly disinfect things and just go along your life because it only affects the elderly really with that have pre-diagnosed illnesses not to like spend too much time on the virus it's freaking everybody out echoing mike a little bit just want to give everyone a little bit of percentages so they could just calm yourself down um of 80% of cases, it presents itself almost exclusively just like having the flu. And not in a bad way, just like, man, I don't feel very good. Man, now I feel better. Of that, 10 more percent get hit a little bit harder, so it feels like a more severe version of the flu. Now that last 10%, that's where it's a little bit riskier and a little bit scarier, and that's usually the people that it hits that are immunocompromised or the young people or the elderly and then of that entire 100%, it's only about 2% fatal. And that 2% is within the people that are immunocompromised that have lung issues or are incredibly elderly or have emphysema or just like in that realm. So everyone, just take a breath. And I trust you that breath did not have the virus in it. Now moving on. Benil Dariush is minus 165, and he's fighting Drakkar Close, who's plus 145. This fight was supposed to happen can't remember how long ago. I think it was uh, earlier this year. Benil Dariush, for a decent amount of time, was I had on the come up in a big way in the division. He had great jujitsu. The wrestling was coming along in a big way. He was training with Master Cordero and getting some serious body leg kicks and just all-around striking acumen. Always liked Drakkar Close. Was never super high on him, but he's looked a lot better recently. Now, Benel Dariush, uh, in my opinion of him, has somewhat soured. He's not who I thought he was going to be. And this is not the because of the Alex Hernandez first-round finish. Because that, that could happen to anybody. It, it really can. Uh, I'm not saying it was a fluke finish. It wasn't. He came out with some, some serious power. But he definitely overlooked uh, Hernandez. And he got issues with it. Um, that's wild, man. His is the craziest. Even now, his record, has, it's even aged well. I mean, other than the round one loss to punches by Ramsey Nijum, which was very odd and off-putting. I mean, he has a submission over Charlie Brenneman, who was good in the day. Anthony Rocco Martin, who's been even better now, he subbed him. Carlos Diego Ferreira beat him by decision. Darren Cruikshank beat him. Jim Miller beat him. Michael Johnson beat him. He did lose to Michael Chiesa by submission, which that's kind of hard to go with, but like James Vick, Rashid Magomedov, like he has some good names. Even more recently, Drew Dober, Frank Camacho, all those guys. He's had a good UFC run. I just, I don't know. I'm starting to, I know he is the favorite. I'm starting to lean close here a little bit. Um, man. Oh man. I, oh, sorry. I just brought up a picture. I completely forgot about Drakkar's closest, terrible Michigan tattoo that he has on his chest. Oh, it's bad. It's the outline <laughs> of the state of Michigan, the, the UP and the main body. Uh, that's a bad tattoo, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. I completely forgot that he had that tattoo. Man, I'm. He went down a couple points in my mind now. <laughs> sorry. Uh, he has done very well in the UFC in, in general. He's beat a ton of people in that tier, just that much lower than the guys that ben, Benil Dariush is fighting. Um, I do like his wrestling. Um, might be a little bit issue bringing it there with someone like Dariush who's so good on the ground um 
Again, I have no bet on this fight whatsoever. I, like I said, I'm starting to lean uh, close a little bit, but in all seriousness, I'm kind of backing away from this fight. I guess if I have to give a pick, I'm going to go with the underdog, but that's not confident either way. Don't take that as, hey, I'm picking him. I'm going to bet him. No, please don't do that. This is just, if I have to pick one, I think I'm going to pick close. Mike, how are you with uh, Benny Dariush versus Drakkar Close? Ah, man, if Benil Dariush would just always be the savage that I think he can be, I would pick him so easily. And so uh, he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and Jakar Close is only a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu blue belt. So I don't really like Close's uh, chances on the ground. And I I really just feel like Benil's going to be the superior fighter here and be able to... I guess just show the kid a, little, uh, a thing or two, you know, whether he gets a submission or he just goes a full three-round decision. I, I just, Benil, I think, is the more talented person, but I don't, you know, take our word on this one. I don't like either of these fighters. Now, going up to the super interesting fights that are going to be happening in the co-main event, Wiley Zhang. Again, not sure if that's the correct order to say that. I've heard it multiple ways, even on the UFC broadcast. But I have it typed out at least the way that I saw it. So we're going to try to stay consistent, even though apparently we're not, given with where I was with Li Jing Liang. But whatever, okay. (laughs) The current champion is a minus 165, and she is fighting the former longtime champion, Joanna Trzajic, who is plus 145. Now, Mike, I'm going to throw it to you first. I know you have a major leaning in this fight card, and then likely uh, in this fight, rather, uh, I probably will end up echoing most of it, but go ahead and take it away for the co-main event of UFC 248. Yeah, I'm super excited about this bout. I mean, both these girls are going to go in there, and they're going to give it their all, and they're going to bang. I mean, uh, Wiley Zhang, I think she's just, uh, just stronger. I think she's more vicious. I think that when she has Joanna backed up against the cage, and she unleashes some elbows against Joanna's face, and uh, spins around, does another elbow, or just attacks the body, I just, I really think that Wiley Zhang is the just is this more superior fighter at this time. She's also a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so no one even really knows about her ground game. Joanna isn't even a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and she's been fighting a long time, so. I really do like Wiley Zhang in this matchup, uh, so that's why I'm gonna. She's gonna be my bet for this podcast. I'm gonna be putting down. I believe she's negative 165 now, Bob. Right? Yep. So negative 165. I'm gonna put down 1.6 or 1.65 units to win one unit on Wiley Zhang to keep her belt and and be Ann Still versus Joanna. I just don't think Joanna handles damage as well as she used to. This isn't Jessica Andrade where this girl's going to throw one right, uh, one big right haymaker and just attack uh, just straightforward. It's going to be a lot different. It's it's not the same. This is this is a different person, and I really believe that she's going to be the champion for a little while, and she's going to finish Joanna. Uh, I agree with just about all that. I don't think Joanna is as good as she used to be, I think she is over the hill. Do I think she's completely washed? No, I, I do not, but I do not think she's the fighter she used to be. I think the losses that she's experienced have definitely taken away from... You don't think it's taken away from her confidence after she's speaking very confidently, but the like the, the fight with Michelle Waterson, if that was prime Ioana, Ioana would have just taken her to the woodshed and gotten a late fight finish she would have put that much damage on it It would look like the jessica penny fight all over again but she didn't she got the win she did she absolutely did but i'm sorry it's she's doesn't have near the output she used to have like mike said she doesn't take the damage as well she shows the damage sooner as well and she's she's been hit so many times. She used to get rocked like once per fight, and then at this point, it's just, it's too much. I love uh, the combination striking of uh, of Whaley, and I do think that's going to add to it. I do think she's going to be the one that's going to be putting the serious volume on Joanna. And if anyone knows that listens to the show, you know I love me some volume, and will lean towards that in a pick all day so i will also have a bet on this fight uh completely telling mike here although i do completely agree with his assessment moving on to the main event of ufc 248 what could be one of the bigger stars in the ufc or at least in the future in the ufc israel adesanya is minus 275 versus yoel soldier of god romero who is plus 235 israel adesanya 
is the most de- one of the most decorated kickboxers that the UFC has, especially within these weight class parameters. I know you have someone like Alistair Overeem, who won the Grand Prix and everything like that. That was that was in between his MMA career, and that's heavyweights and like all that. But the like, terms of technical striking and who had a full kickboxing career and has a good amount of uh, not just UFC but MMA experience, Adesanya is that. He's looked utterly fantastic. Honestly, the biggest thing that has impressed me about Adesanya is how much better he gets from fight to fight. It's kind of shocking. Uh, I think it was Luke Thomas who, leading into the Kevin Gastelum fight, or Kelvin Gastelum fight, broke down the increase of his skill set from every fight he's had in the UFC. He's jumping by leaps and bounds in terms of MMA. Obviously, he's had all of the kickboxing skills for a long, long time, but in terms of MMA and grappling and takedown defense and submissions and defending against submissions, it's it's just utterly impressive. Now, Yoel Romero, I've loved this man for a long, long time. I love every time he's a dog. I think this might be one of the first times he's a dog that I'm not going to bet him because uh, I do truly think Israel's going to win here. I mean, Yoel's going to be dangerous at some point, likely in the third or fourth round when he really pours it on. He will definitely um, hold on to some reserves in the early goings in the fight to try to make sure he has enough gas to go late. He's been much more conservative in his output and tries to go for the kill shot because he doesn't have the energy to do that kind of an output game to win an overall fight. He's had some close ones, but mainly because of 10 rounds where he's gotten so close to finishes. In terms of wrestling, obviously, he has the superior wrestling. I mean, he's a silver medalist in the Olympics, for crying out loud. He, he's, he's amazing. He never uses it, and he doesn't use it too much because, obviously, uh, how utterly exhausting it can be, especially over a five-round fight. So he will go for the kill. Uh, that's the only thing that keeps keeping me away from like a big bet on Adesanya is the possibility of an all-out throwing fest from uh, the Soldier of God in the third, fourth round. And I do think Adesanya could last through that and probably should or could completely avoid it. But I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. So I've been looking at some of the props on Adesanya to see if I want to lean that way, such as uh, by decision, which is uh, some pretty good money, especially starting getting into that plus money from someone who's so steep as minus 275. But in general, my pick is going to be Israel Adesanya. Love Yoel Romero, but man, I think this is going to be his last and final uh, chance at gold. Uh, quickly, we did have a poll going on and still currently going on for this fight, and it's about if you think that Yoel Romero will ever, absolutely ever, and now that's talking this Saturday or until the day he retires. If you think he will have a chance to win UFC gold currently, yes is winning. 58% of you are saying that yes, Yoel Romero will win UFC gold at some point. By all means, go and vote. There's still plenty of hours left to go on there. We can give an update on that tomorrow. Mike, where are you sitting here in this main event against for Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero? Oh, uh, man. Well, I'm all team Stylebender on this one, dude. I think that he's the future. I thought he's with the future for a while. If you've listened to the past podcast, I just absolutely love this guy's style. I, he's just super unique. His striking is definitely some of the best that we've seen. His def- striking defense is just absolutely amazing. The way that he can uh, process strikes and then calculate off of them to defend and then st- counter strike back. It's just absolutely amazing. I know that no one in the UFC has finished Yoel uh, Romero, but I am really, really believe that uh, this is going to be the weekend where Yoel Romero gets finished by Izzy. I think that Izzy is going to be just way too much for him. He's way too long. He's just got way too much. Way too. He's way too diverse. He's got five full rounds to beat him. Beat him up. Um, I love Yoel Romero. I, I obviously he's got a, a chance always, but. I really believe that this is a fight for Izzy to win. I, I think that he's going to roll here and he's going to do it inside the distance and it's going to be a, a pretty spectacular performance that he can ride off into the sunset with and, and just keep getting more famous and more famous because this guy already had a huge uh, Chinese-Asian fan base before he got to the UFC and right now he's paired up with the Chinese champion and in this uh, 
a UFC card. So they're really, really pushing that fan base. So I, I really expect everybody who's got an Asian fan base to roll here. And he's definitely one of them. So I was going to give out the money line and max bet him at that 185 um, money line mark, but it, it moves so fast that it's at like 295. I'd still recommend playing him at money line. I believe it's guaranteed money. I, I, I don't say that often, but I really believe that Izzy's guaranteed money this weekend. Sorry, I found the song, so that's going to be playing in the background when we finish up. Sorry, I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm with you on that, and I, th- I think Israel, that's not the number, starting to downtrend a little bit. Um, in terms of our bets, quick review, we got one unit on Gerald Merchart at plus 120, and we have to win one unit, Wiley Zhang at minus 165. Well, this was our UFC 248 show. Our Norfolk review. Mike, do you have anything to say to the people before we go? No, I just hope you guys enjoy the UFC pay-per-view this weekend because there's going to be some beautiful violence, and you know that's what we're all about. So enjoy your families and your time. Yeah, sorry. I'm just keeping this music going. I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood right now. You can't see me dancing, but it's happening. Sorry. Uh, For all of you, thank you for listening in. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite way to listen to us, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, you name it. Check out our YouTube. We're going to start doing those uh, snippets again, breakdowns of individual fights from the show, as well as other content for you guys. Please let us know, whether it be Twitter mention, DM, anything, any questions you have or anything you want to bring up. And by all means, please, again, like re- leave those reviews. Those really help out. And we will give you huge shouts out on the podcast. So thank you all for listening. And going into UFC 248, let's roll. Let's roll.